welcome to the AD's office with Alex Larson and Devin Puckus. What's up, sports fans? Welcome to the AD's office. I'm Alex. He's Devin. Office hours are officially open, and we're going to take you through our takes on the NFL. It was a wild weekend. Well, it was more than wild. Wild was last weekend. This was actually divisional weekend. And there was some firsthand uh, research going on. We'll call it firsthand research. It's a business write-off. I was about to say, does this count as a business expense? I think it should. I think it should. I think it is. Yeah. You know what? I'll talk to my tax guy, but it's going on 2024, I guess. 2024 taxes. Uh, Devin has a business trip to Detroit. Business trip to Detroit. Yeah, my wife and I, we spontaneously decided that we were going to spend more money than we should and spontaneously uh, take a trip to Detroit for our first home Lions playoff game. Been to a lot of away games here in the Twin Cities, but first time in Ford Field. And oh my gosh, (laughs) electric, absolutely insane. I've heard reporters say several report like longtime guys with ESPN NBC that said Ford Field this weekend was the loudest stadium they have ever experienced I don't doubt it there there are two other occasions that got close in my brain for those of you who are Northwestern Eagles Skull Eagles I like to say um in 2016 we had a basketball game against um St. Scholastica that went into quadruple overtime I think it was that was the second closest I've ever gotten. And that was a D3 basketball game. It's pretty wild. It was louder in Ford Field than it was at the Vikings Colts game, which I was also at last year for the greatest comeback in NFL history. That says a lot, honestly. Yeah, it was insane. But I think part of it, as a non Lions fan, it seems like the fan base and it was reflected in the uh, astronomical ticket prices because the lions game was the most expensive playoff game over the weekend again i think it's a fan base that just is so starved for success 100 percent. and now success is not just attainable it's actually a tangible thing well not even tangible but you can say attained they are successful they're in the nfc championship say that part again the Detroit Lions are in the NFC Championship. I imagine that feels really good to say and not have it be a dream. Oh, so good. So if you would have told a Detroit Lions fan in 2009 that they went 3-13 and in 2021, they would believe you. If you told them that they would be in the NFC Championship game in 2023, they would not. Or they would start crying in that exact moment, which I'm not going to lie. I teared up in the stadium. It was pretty amazing. Hey, you're sharing tears with the likes of Eminem and Calvin Johnson. And Flava Flav was there. I think you're in good company. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. It was a good time. Um, It's crazy that it was the loudest stadium to me this week when it wasn't close to as loud as last week for wildcard weekend, apparently because interesting wildcard weekend, they didn't break the record. They got close. They got to the number fourth ranked loudest stadium in NFL history at 134 decibels. Number one, I think is the Kansas city chiefs right now. They've gone back and forth with Seattle a few times, but they got to 134 during wildcard weekend. And they only hit about 120 during the divisional round. 
So you're telling me it is physically possible to be louder than what it was? That's that's shocking to me. Kind of nuts. But hey, yeah. there's something about sports fans that you just kind of lose your mind a little bit. I'm honestly surprised you have a voice. Yeah, I, I did not earlier today. Come back, kid. Come back. But yeah, it it was a 10 to 10 game at halftime. Seemed a little bit nerve wracking. Yeah, 10 to 10 at halftime and 17 17 going into the fourth quarter. Sitting on the couch, it felt like an even game. So I don't know how it felt in the stands, but from my point of view, you know, 500 miles away, it felt like it was close. It's. In the field, in the stadium, I should say, it didn't feel as close as it was. It definitely, in hindsight, was close, but it would have been only three to ten going in, three to seventeen maybe, going into halftime if the Lions don't give up a ninety-second, you know, sixty-yard drive with barely any time left in the first half. The Lions had the ball at the forty, fifty-yard line with a minute and a half to go in the first half, and then stalled out, give the ball back to the Bucks. So that's a big swing where the Lions were kind of dominating in the first half, but you give up that late touchdown drive in the first half and all of a sudden it's tied. It's interesting I because we talked about the Lions mentality coming into the game, coming into the playoffs, rather. They were playing with house money. It was kind of like, we made the playoffs, we're hosting a playoff game, there's nothing to lose, just go out, play, have fun. Any result in the playoffs is kind of a win for the franchise. I think we saw a little bit of that from the Bucks this weekend because the Bucks weren't supposed to be playing in divisional games. Yeah, I think you're totally right. The Bucks were largely picked to be a bottom five team in the NFL coming into this season. Yeah, and they had their ups and downs. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Baker Mayfield. He's a free agent after the season and on one hand he did enough to get them to the playoffs he did enough to beat the Eagles and they were at one point a Super Bowl favorite obviously that's not the team that showed up in Tampa but he beat a good team and they theoretically were a better team because of Baker Mayfield and with the season on the line in the divisional round he threw two interceptions, one of which basically iced the game. And early on, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, all-pro safety for the Detroit Lions. He led the league in interceptions last year as a member of those Eagles that Baker has since beat, which were Gardnerless, admittedly. They argued all week for who watches more tape and who's the real player in the NFL, and then C.J. Gardner-Johnson picks him off. After picking off Baker Mayfield, he hands the ball back to Baker and then post-game comes out and says, I want you to mail that with a signed jersey back to me. <laughs> oh, it's petty. You know what? I, Based on how Baker acted in his press conference on Monday, I wouldn't be shocked if he sends it back, honestly. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to sign it to CJ with love, Baker. It might be here you go, little boy, or something. But Baker also seems to be a good enough sport with the trash talk to know when he got beat, and it it happened. Yeah, I think I think you're right. 
he's someone who he definitely dishes it out. We talked way early this season mm-hmm. about when he said, get your weight up, little boy. Yeah. Okay, was, well, this past weekend, it was his turn. He had to get his weight up, little boy, and he took it in stride. Take it right on the chin. Yep. And he did say at his Monday presser that, you know, he's happy for Jared Goff. He's happy for the Lions. Probably not happy for CJ Gardner Johnson, but he's happy for most of that team. And ultimately, he's happy for the city. He obviously started his NFL career with the Browns, which would be another just hungry city, a fan base that really only knows failure. But he appreciates the game and the sport enough to say, look, Lions fans, congrats. Enjoy it. And just as a like subtle little dig, the Lions went 0-16, which I think you, you remember that. Oh, for sure. And now they're in the NFC Championship game. And as just a fun little poke, uh, the Dallas Cowboys have not been in, in an NFC Championship game during any part of that time span that the Lions literally went from worst team in history to championship weekend. So, Was it not the ultimate ball-don't-lie moment that the Detroit Lions end up in the NFC Championship game after getting hosed debatably the worst in NFL history against the Cowboys? who then get bounced week one of the playoffs and have not been into an NFC championship game in 25 years. Yeah, it's, yeah. It it was ball don't lie, for sure. You got dessert. Most definitely. Overall, it was a decent game. It was kind of fun to watch as a relatively neutral fan. Um, And I found myself... Not rooting for the Lions, but rooting for an exciting game. Obviously, I wanted you to enjoy your experience, and it's a lot easier to enjoy a win. So, oh yeah, I don't, I don't think you can enjoy a loss at all. What is a people will talk about like a a moral victory? There's no, oh, what there's is no that? Such thing. No shot. There's no such thing. There might be like good snacks on the way, but it, it's a loss. Yeah, you maybe feel good about yourself, like, oh yeah, I can play with the big boys. But I guarantee you'd feel better if you won. Winning feels a lot better. And to just maintain the brand that I apparently have, am going to establish for myself, the biggest drop of the weekend was not Mike Evans. And I fully expected it to happen. It didn't. So shout out Mike. The biggest drop of the weekend was Stefan Diggs as the Buffalo A 60 Bills. yarder. Buffalo Bills lost to the Chiefs, 27-24. Chiefs got the win. Diggs could have had a touchdown. For sure would have put him in scoring position. And if you didn't see it, go check out the Diggs drop. There's an angle from the opposite end zone where you can see Josh Allen throws this thing like 60 yards in the air. And it hits him in the hands over the shoulder. I'm I'm not saying it's an easy catch. I'm saying he's paid to make that catch. And he is paid well, and he is paid like a top 10 receiver, and he's largely been a top 10 receiver. And who else on that team could you have asked for to make that catch? It's that. He is their best option. And it wasn't an acrobatic. Like, it's not like Josh Allen was throwing it out there, hoping a prayer, you know, digs us down there somewhere. No, he put it in his hands in stride. Yeah, it it was bad. It was bad. Is it possible, is it likely that that is the last 
image we have of Stefan Diggs in a Buffalo Bills uniform? I kind of think it is. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to bet on it or anything like that, but I think it's very very plausible that the only real thing to come out of Stefan Diggs's tenure in Buffalo is pictures of him on the sidelines watching the Chiefs celebrate at midfield. And some really interesting fashion choices with his pregame outfits. Yeah, those two. And the subtle digs on Twitter, pun intended. It's an... Man. I mean, in the biggest game of the season, Josh Allen, who was criticized all year for interceptions, for the turnovers, for you know risky, boneheaded plays, he was basically perfect. Josh did everything he needed to do. Diggs had three catches on eight targets for a grand total of 21 yards. Well, and I'll even say, uh, go against the grain a little bit of what you just said. Diggs had the massive drop that would have put them up. Yep. With two, three, four minutes left in the game, somewhere in there, the Bills had the ball at, I don't know, the 20-yard line or so. And they could have gotten a first down, but on second down and 10, Josh Allen decides to throw it deep. It's a duck. It goes nowhere near a wide open receiver. Would have been a touchdown. Third down, he decides to throw it to the end zone again. It's a duck. Nowhere near the receiver. The receiver was covered that second time, admittedly. But both times, he had easy checkdowns with nobody in sight to get a first down. Maybe even run for a touchdown. But Josh decided he wanted it all on back-to-back plays. Mm, And that that very easily could have cost them the game, too. And that's not even to mention the fact that we could have had overtime had their kicker made their uh, game-tying field goal as well. Right. But Diggs and Josh Allen, they both have their share of the blame. It's not all on Bass. No, that's that's definitely fair, and I, I see that. I also think if you're putting together a team, Quarterback is a very large piece of that puzzle. Is it easier? Because I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I watch those plays, and I don't necessarily see Diggs trying, or I, excuse me, I don't necessarily see Josh Allen trying to be the hero. I see Josh Allen frustrated with checkdowns because he wants to go out and play the way he's built to play. He can throw it 65 yards on a rope. That's the style of offense that he wants, and that is not what the Bills have given him. Well, they historically did give it to him until we know that they fired their offensive coordinator midseason. Mm-hmm. They bring in, uh, or they get rid of Ken Dorsey, I think it was. They bring in their new OC, and yeah, Josh is asked to do less, but also they're winning so many more games. They are. Joe Brady is the interim Joe Brady, offensive coordinator. Awesome offensive coordinator, but I don't know. It's if I'm the owner, if I'm the GM, whoever's gonna give input. Josh Allen is a whole lot harder to replace than a coach, or than Diggs, or anybody, literally anybody else. Oh, I'm right there with you. I'm not vying for him to be replaced or traded or anything like that. I'm just saying. Josh, we know you can sling it, but are you smart enough to know when you don't need to? I saw somebody on Twitter talk about how we as fans, we want the Mahomes-Allen rivalry to be like this generation of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. 
the problem is Peyton Manning beat Tom Brady. Josh Allen doesn't beat Patrick Mahomes. Not in the playoffs, he doesn't. And that is a huge... Josh can be a hero. He can be the best quarterback, the best fantasy quarterback in the league. He can be a top two, top three quarterback in real football. If you keep losing in the playoffs to the same guy, history will not remember Josh Allen. History will remember Patrick Mahomes. And sure, you can make the Hall of Fame without any Super Bowl rings, but is that worth it? Do you really care if you make the Hall of Fame without the jewelry? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There was also an interesting... A the social media has obliterated the play call. It was a fake punt that the Bills ran with a direct snap oh to Demar Hamlin. So it's fourth down, fourth and five. So not a short fourth down on their own thirty when they were trailing by three points, and the Bills decided to fake a punt by direct snapping to a player who was dead a year ago. I don't understand why you thought that was the right call. I'm. I'm not an analytics guy. I can't imagine the analytics were in favor of that move. I I get that it's the playoffs and every single play matters. There's not a single breath you take that you're not second guessing and trying to figure out yeah. exactly what's perfect. You know, I get all that. Damar Hamlin should not be playing football. No, he's a feel good story, I guess. I'm super glad he's safe and I'm glad he's recovered. And, you know, that is awesome and you know thoughts and prayers go to him you know donate to his foundation do whatever he has played like five snaps this year been flagged on three of them and then has a failed conversion on a fake fourth down punt yeah it's not good football and it felt too cute and it i don't i don't know the bills i would be shocked if mcdermott gets fired if they change coaches it's it's the same thing as Sirianni and McCarthy. It's very who's going to be better? Who's going to be better? Yeah, it's it's a very similar conversation of can you upgrade? Because you're good, but you're not good enough. Well, and you're even great, but you're not top three. And who's won the Super Bowl recently? Top three. Yeah, it's Belichick. It's Andy Reid. You know. Yes. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the Bills do. I also thought it was interesting the bills have invested in uh the draft obviously they traded for digs but they've invested via the draft in pass catchers just three times in the five seasons of josh allen football they've drafted one wide receiver two tight ends in the first four rounds not comparing apples to apples but the packers when they drafted jordan love a couple years later They've already drafted seven pass catchers in those first four rounds in two less years of drafting. Well, and not only that, but the Packers haven't drafted a first-round receiver in that time. Yeah, they, but they know if a young quarterback, and obviously Josh Allen has been in the league for a little bit now, but if a young quarterback with physical tools is going to succeed, you've got to give him weapons. And other than trading for digs, which we both agree is probably at the end of its life cycle. The Bills really haven't so. they haven't done anything. They have not given Josh Allen weapons. Well, how much were we begging them to take Brees Hall a couple years ago in the draft? Mm-hmm. Because it, it felt like they were a piece away. It felt like they were a running game away 
from having the most complete offense in NFL history. Yep. And the dual threat rushing that Josh Allen offers is a huge mismatch. And we saw it. I don't think Josh Allen is as dynamic a runner as Cam Newton, but we saw it with Cam Newton in his prime. It completely changes what a what a defense can do when you have a quarterback that big who can just take off. Yeah, and I mean, Cam Newton was awesome. He won his MVP. He played in a Super Bowl, but he couldn't sling it like Josh slings it either. It's right. like... Now, Josh is a unicorn or a golden retriever or something. I don't know. He seems. I like, don't know. He seems like he's having fun. But it's got to be not fun to continue losing in the playoffs. The one thing I will say is that it, both your example earlier of Jordan Love and obviously Josh Allen, who's who we have been having this conversation about, they're both pretty darn good examples of stay the course and be patient. Josh Allen sucked for two years. He was a bottom five quarterback in the NFL. Who could throw at 65 yards. Who could throw at 65 yards Off but target. not hit the side of a barn. Yeah. Yep. And Jordan Love, we know that he just waited his four years. He came out and was debatably the best quarterback in the NFL over the last eight weeks. He tore it up. Now, QB development matters a lot. As a final note to add insult to injury, unfortunately, if you are a Bills fan, um, the trade that the Bills made um, a few years ago with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Bills pick turned into Patrick Mahomes. So, shot yourself in the foot. They shot themselves in the foot, and I'm sure that if you asked them, they would be like, oh, no, Josh is amazing. You know, we're happy with Josh, blah, blah, blah. Gotta make it to a Super Bowl, man. Yep, you really gotta. It's gonna be tough as long as Mahomes is playing. And watching that game, I don't think Mahomes did anything incredibly special. I don't think he was the better quarterback watching it back and forth, but he did exactly what needed to be done. And the chiefs got the win. Travis Kelsey, who was kind of a zombie for the last month of the season came out of nowhere, had two touchdown receptions, which has Mahomes and Kelsey passed Gronk and Tom Brady for the most playoff touchdowns between a duo so that's 16 touchdowns and counting for Mahomes and Kelsey, which is a crazy record. And in several less games. In several less games. But that also happens partly because the Chiefs are in six straight AFC Championship games. Six straight AFC Championship games for the Chiefs. Their first not at home. Lamar is playing like an MVP. He's probably going to win his second MVP. Man, we talked about it last week. The Bills are a better team this year than the Chiefs. Straight up, it's not even close, to be honest. We just saw the Chiefs beat them. Mm-hmm. No. The Ravens are a better team than the Chiefs this year. Straight up, it's not close. Hmm. Uh... <laughs> It'll be fascinating to see what the Chiefs put together because this is, I think, not even debatably, the worst season with Patrick Mahomes that the Chiefs have had. They have not looked very good. Mahomes has still been excellent. Mahomes is a, is a phenomenal quarterback, probably best in the league. I think every other team in the league would take him. The overall team, this is the worst one he's had. Maybe his best yeah. def- maybe his best defense, but like Michael Hardman put up a stat line over the weekend in a playoff game, one catch for 2 yards. 
one rush for negative one yards and two fumbles. That's a stat line from a starting receiver for this offense. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty tough. Um, I don't think the Jets are missing him that much. It makes me wonder why the Chiefs wanted him back when they retraded for him in the first place. Yeah, like what does he know? Who does he have? He's on? super. He's so fast. He's insanely fast. So I think that they were just like, ah, fake Tyreek. Let's go. Fake Tyreek. But, but like he can't catch, and you know, ah, I love to use Michael Hardman and Madden. Sure. Yeah, but. Nah, he's the Dollar General version of Tyreek Hill. Yeah, most definitely. So the Chiefs will have yet another AFC Championship appearance. They're going to go to MNC Bank to face the Ravens. But the Ravens this weekend, they dispensed of the Texans pretty easily. It was a tied game at halftime, which felt weird. And then they came out second half and tore them apart. 34-10 final score. In the yeah. post-game presser, one of the reporters said, hey, you know, Lamar, what did you say to the team to get him hyped up at halftime? Yeah. And Lamar kind of smiled, <laughs> and he goes, it's inappropriate for me to say here. And then the next reporter says, Lamar, who did most of the talking at halftime? And he goes, oh, me. And she's like, yeah, what were, you, what were you telling the team? He goes, well, I just said it was inappropriate. It was a lot of cursing, and that's why I said it is inappropriate for this room. And he's kind of <laughs> making a joke I saw about that it. Presser. I'm I'm sure Lamar was not happy with the Ravens' performance, but that really says a lot. The Ravens weren't struggling against the Texans. They were struggling against themselves. In a lot of ways, they absolutely were. But, you know, on the flip side, just give credit where it's due. The Texans' linebackers played crazy good. You know, Will Anderson, he was playing awesome in that first half. True, true. There was no offense in the first half. Like we said, it was tied 10 to 10 going into halftime. The Texans only touchdown was a punt rec- punt return. It was a return touchdown. The Ravens, they obviously only had one great offensive drive. You had to think, you know, last week I said on the pod, you did. The Texans, there's something to watch for an upset alert. Mm-hmm. You know, what's these Texans, they're built different. CJ Stroud, he's a dog. Yeah. And then at halftime, you know, I'm going to make something up, but I think it's it's probably what happened, you know, in air quotes, probably. I bet Lamar walked in and he goes, did you guys listen to this effing VAD's office? We're going to be on upset watch, blah, blah, blah. And and then they came out and, you know, I like to say that three scores is what constitutes a blowout. So if you score at least 16 or 17 more than the other team, you blew them out. Yep. They so blew them out. 24 points. In the second half. It's a blowout. And it really was a blowout. It felt like the Ravens completely took control in the second half. And it was, it wasn't explosive plays and like fluky touchdowns. It was a methodical beatdown. They, Lamar picked the defense apart. The running game just pounded those linebackers into the dirt. They chewed up the clock, punched it in over and over and over and just put them away. Yeah, absolutely that. That second half was all Baltimore. It's like Houston stayed in the locker room. And Will Anderson even said as much after the game. He said that he was in tears in their locker room. And CJ Stroud walked over to him and essentially said, Nah, we're coming back next year. We're going to be good. We're going to be good for a long time. And Will Anderson said right then and there, he goes, You know what? Captain says that we're going to be good. I've got his back. He's got mine. We're rolling with this thing. And I also think it meant a lot that Will Anderson called C.J. Stroud a captain when they're both rookies, both top 
you know, five picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm expecting both those guys to get a C on their chest next year. Yeah, and I think there is just a – I think that says a lot about who C.J. Stroud is as a quarterback and as a leader that yep. his team has already d- identified, like, you're you're the captain. You're in charge here. We will follow you into battle. And I, I'm, I'm with you. I think the Texans are going to be around. They are going to be a problem going forward because C.J. Stroud is that good. That said, his phenomenal playoff debut against the Browns 274 yards, three TDs, a near-perfect passer rating. He struggled against the Ravens. Now, almost everybody struggles against the Ravens this year. But he had only 175 yards and no touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, it was not great for him on that day. But I'm sure it bothered him. You know, he's upset. He's going to go through it. He's going to beat himself up and think about... Oh, I could have done this different. What if I did this instead? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. They're going to be around for a while, especially if the Jaguars can't figure it out. We mm-hmm. don't know what Anthony Richardson is yet in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. but it very much looks like that division is going to run through Houston for the foreseeable future. Yep, definitely could. And we mentioned after last week's wild card games that Jordan Love had a nearly identical stat line to C.J. Stroud. He had an eerily similar stat line this weekend as well. Stroud, obviously, with that 175 total yards and no touchdowns, 72 passer rating. Jordan Love had 194 passing yards, no touchdowns, a 72 passer rating. Yeah, and let's not forget those two interceptions. One of them was a tip. Yeah, one of them wasn't really his fault. The other one was so... He threw to the wrong so bad. team. He threw it to the wrong team. Rolling out right, passes it far left across his body while kind of diving, and it's a total duck. If it wasn't picked off by Dre Greenlaw, it was going to be picked off by Fred Warner. 100%. It was not close. No, the two closest players were Niners. Yeah, it, it was bad. It was a bad one for Jordan Love. But again, kind of similar situation to C.J. Stroud. Jordan Love was amazing to end the year. He sucked pretty bad to start the year, but he was amazing to end the year. And I bet in a lot of ways he's thinking, yeah, I'll see these guys again. I think he will. I think, unfortunately for us, the Packers, I watching it at home, it felt like the Packers outplayed the 49ers for about 58 minutes. That's almost been a thing for Brock Purdy this season. There's been multiple times where he's had to have legitimate two-minute drill, seal the game deals. And one of their very few losses, he pulled it off against the Browns, and Jake Moody misses the game-winning field goal. Not this time. Not this time. Not this time. I do think it's interesting, though, that we were kind of back and forth all season on, is Brock Purdy MVP? Is Brock even the best on his team? This game ran through McCaffrey. The the little bit of offense that the Niners put together, McCaffrey had 98 yards, two TDs, one of them with a minute left in the game. I will say, we can say the game ran through McCaffrey. How many of those yards came on one carry? 70? 50-ish? Yeah, no, it was... It was yeah, it, there, there was a big breakaway, that's fair. I was sitting there watching this game, thinking to myself the whole time, Both of these teams' run defenses are bad. Why are you not just 
pounding the rock right now. Absolutely. And two minutes later was when the 50-yarder for McCaffrey broke loose. I was like, this is not that hard to figure out, and you guys are way overthinking it right now. And I think it's that. I think it's a little bit of what we saw with Buffalo. Playoff, for whatever reason, playoffs bring out this like cutesy, doing-too-much approach to coaching. And sometimes it's just... Who's going to dominate? Who's going to physically go out there and impose their will? Yes. Just go smack them. Totally that. And I think we also have seen the opposite side of that with the Ravens, especially that defense. Pick any play. If a pass comes in the middle, if it's down the sideline, it's a little bit different, but any pass or any short screen, any draw coming into the middle, any given play, there are seven, eight guys storming to the ball like their hair's on fire. It is just this madness of we're going to absolutely demolish whoever touches the ball. In a lot of ways, and I I want to say it was Dan Orlovsky on Twitter, but someone called this out on Twitter um, that was a draft analyst, and they said, you know what? We trashed Detroit for taking a linebacker in the first round in 2023. Yep. The two best teams in the NFL – Sure, we can say that Patrick Queen and and Roquan and Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner, do they really matter that much in the regular season? Oh, yeah, who cares about the Mm. middle of your defense? Mm -hmm. Come January, who made the biggest plays of divisional weekend? A hundred percent. And we even saw it with, I mean, the Texans lost, but it was linebacker play that even had a minute in the first half. And there's something tone setting, especially come playoffs, those linebackers are the ones who are setting the tone and yeah. c- because they're checking guys coming across the middle, but they're also slamming into the running backs coming down the middle. And a linebacker, especially a, if you get a group, you get a couple, you know, two, three guys yeah. that are willing to just lay people just out. beat people up. Yep. Yes. That's playoff football. And that, boy, That's it. Boy, that is fun. playoff football. It is, it's easiest to do when you're in the cold. You know, you're lining up. You find it way easier to hit people out there. You know, these teams, they built through the middle of their defense, and now look where they are. They're the two Super Bowl favorites. Yep, they were the respective one seeds of each of their conferences. Ah, uh, man, they they were playing good. On the flip side of that, and you and I texted, and we agreed about this even, the 49ers, we didn't know who was going to win at this point. Mm-hmm. The 49ers and Packers both. I texted you, and I said, you know, Detroit has to still take care of business tomorrow. Yeah. But, man, either of these teams sure look beatable to give Detroit a chance at the Super Bowl. Definitely look beatable, especially the version of Brock Party that showed up against the Packers. He was not very good missing throws yeah he didn't have the turnovers that you expect from a quote-unquote bad game but he was missing guys that were wide open bad throws and you can attribute some of it to playing in the rain they're actually I mean you can you can dig up the stats if you want Purdy's not very good in the rain he struggles in the right. rain for whatever reason didn't play in the rain a lot in his entire career at Iowa State he only had three games with rain even in the forecast um, two of those, it was like a mist. So his only real rain game was against Drake University, which if you're not from Iowa, Drake is not a football school. 
Um, they're in, no, it's a it's an academic. It's an academic law school. school they, and... they tend to be good at basketball, but they're not a football school. They're an FCS program. They're not even playing with the big boys. And Iowa State escaped with a 27-24 victory, and Purdy looked terrible. On the heels of that, reports came out on Monday that the Niners in the offseason actually tried to lure Tom Brady out of retirement and apparently went so far to sit Brock Purdy down and tell him, hey, you're the starter, but if we can get Tom out of retirement, he's starting, not you. And I think that looking at this story and seeing what's coming out about it, and a lot of people are going to use this to say, oh, that's because Brock is a fraud and he's terrible and he's checked down King and things like that. First of all, we already debunked that. He was one of the league leaders in air yards, meaning he threw it downfield a lot, not just screens, far from just screens. But also, how many questions were there about, oh, Trey Lance is actually coming back. He's much better than Brock. Kyle Shanahan said, the only person I would rather have than you is the undeniable greatest of all time to do what you do. And that is the entire list of people I would rather have. Okay, but also he's 46. Would you turn down him on the Vikings right now? Tom Brady on the Vikings? For any amount of money. No, no, you're right. No, his (laughs) age does not matter. With a caveat, if I'm signing Tom Brady to the Vikings, it's not because I think he is going to dramatically improve their success on the field. What I'm hoping to get out of Tom Brady signing with the Vikings is the culture. I want Tom Brady in the locker room, even just for one year to set the culture that just does not accept let down, does not accept missing your responsibility, does not accept showing up late, does not accept any sort of, letting things slip that are under your control. I'm not so sure that would matter seeing what happened to the Patriots and the Bucks since then. I mean, the Bucks did just play in the divisional round, granted, but they won a division that was garbage to get well, in. And-, and they also went and signed a squirrely Baker Mayfield to replace Brady, which I feel like changes the culture. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I'm not saying it would work, but you're you're right. If if Tom Brady's agent called and said, "Hey, uh, Brady wants to come out of retirement. He's bored of doing Hertz commercials. He'd love to throw to Justin Jefferson." I'd say, "Okay." And it doesn't matter if you have Kirk there. It doesn't matter if you have Josh Allen there. It doesn't matter. If Tom Brady wanted to play for your favorite team, regardless of whether or not you're a hater, you know deep down you would instantly say yes. Yeah, no, I'm, you're, you're right. I would. So I think that is, in all honesty, the bigger storyline is That's Kyle Shannon. There was no question about Trey Lance. He didn't give a crap about Trey Lance. Yeah, I'll ship him off to be the third string in Dallas. Who cares? Who cares? Yep. All right, that's a good point. Now, let's jump into the championship round predictions. We got two games. AFC championship game Chiefs at Ravens. The Ravens are favored by three, not a huge spread. And I think it's because we we just can't bet against Mahomes. There is something weird. Mahomes has can't. been he's been in the AFC Championship game every single year since he has been the starter. 
he won the Super Bowl, obviously, in two of those years, lost the Super Bowl one of those years, and now here he is with a sixth opportunity to make it to a Super Bowl. Vegas knows that Mahomes is hard to bet against. That said, Lamar has more, he has the same amount of touchdowns this playoffs in a single game that he did in his previous four playoff appearances combined. This is not the same Lamar that showed up three years ago and threw for 160 yards and a pick. He threw for 150 yards, two touchdowns, rushed for 100, and two more touchdowns. Lamar put the team on his back offensively, and the defense went out and did what they do. Baltimore should win, and at the risk of getting caught in the moment, I think they could win big. I, the Bills were better than the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. The Bills were maybe the best team in the NFL as far as streak-wise and how well they had been playing the last month or so, etc. And I also think, here's the thing. Lamar, he's got as many touchdowns this year as his last four previous playoff appearances, like you said. He hasn't played against this Chiefs defense. This Chiefs Chiefs defense hasn't faced anybody nearly as athletic as Lamar. Not as athletic, no. But he did hold the Bills to 20 points a few weeks ago. Josh Allen, about as close as you can get. Held them to 24 points this past week, obviously. Jordan Love was playing some of the best football in the entire NFL. They held him to uh, maybe not a hold, 27 points there. That's a little bit. But besides that, that's that's really all they've given up in the last two months. I don't know. I'm, I am as confidently as I can. Picking the Ravens, though. I I know the smart money is to pick the Ravens. <laughs> I cannot pick against Patrick Mahomes. Can't do it. I, get I can't it. do it. I get it. Which, before the season started, before our first inaugural episode of the AD's office, you and I agreed on our Super Bowl prediction, too. We said Chiefs over Niners. We did. Looking pretty darn close right now. Yeah, no, I... I'm going to flip the script and throw away my preseason pick. I think Ravens are getting there. The other game is obviously your Lions going to the Niners. Niners are favored by seven, so it's a much wider Vegas spread. In my head, this game is actually closer than the Ravens-Chiefs. I think so, too. I, Even though I think the Chiefs could upset in that game, I think the Lions easily cover that spread. If you're betting right now, and which, you can get we minus seven, condone, but especially in Minnesota. But if you're betting right now and you see a spread of seven points, I'm thinking there's no way the Lions don't cover. Yeah, I, I think if they lose, they lose close. I absolutely agree. I think if they lose, they lose close. I'm not convinced they lose. They're, Me either. <laughs> and to be fair. The Niners are in their seventh NFC Championship game in the last 11 years. Unreal. That also said they haven't won a Super Bowl in any of those no. 11 years. So they've been this good, but not good enough. 
And like you said earlier, the Niners' run defense is just not very good. We watched the Packers just continually gouge them for big runs. And I think Aaron Jones is a good running back. I think Jameer Gibbs is better. What's super crazy to me, Jameer Gibbs in one season has cemented himself. Cemented. It's in stone as a top 10 running back already in the NFL. Is he top five? I think if you factor in age, because, and not necessarily biological human age, uh, your football age, how many seasons you've played in the NFL, running back lifespans are just short. So that said, yeah, I think Gibbs is a top five. And like you mentioned, Aaron Jones ran through that defense. The 49ers allowed virtually no yards on the ground this year. They were a top five run defense by yards allowed. They were a bottom 10 by yards allowed per carry because nobody ran the ball against them because they were winning by 2 million in every game. That's it. And so if the Lions don't fall behind, they could do some damage. And on the flip side, the Niners are probably going to be without Debo Samuel. They've said it's 50-50 and obviously... We will get more information as the week wraps up. But as it stands right now, they're calling it 50-50 that Debo plays, except the injury that he sustained is the same injury he had earlier in the season that knocked him out for two weeks. And it's re-injuring that same injury. Now, I realize there are all kinds of medication options that maybe for the playoffs you say, it's fine, I'll be numb, I'll pay the price later. Shoot me up. Let's get it done. And if you can't go, you can't go. And on the flip side, I will say Jonah Jackson, a starting guard for the Detroit Lions, he tore his meniscus in this game against the Buccaneers. Frank Ragno, the Lions All-Pro center, also from Chanhassen, Minnesota. Shout out. Shout out. He tore his meniscus when he was in college, I think, or something like that, and he played the same week. Is he not going to come back and say, or actually, now that I say that, I don't think it was Frank Ragnow. His was a fractured throat. It was Sam Laporta, Lions rookie tight end, tore his meniscus and played the same week. Are you saying that those two guys aren't going to look at Jonah Jackson and be like, dude, buck up, it's for the Super Bowl? No, and linemen are just built a little different. Because you just casually threw out that he fractured his throat and just played like that was not. And finished the game. Didn't miss a snap. As a center. Yeah, no. Like, NFL offensive linemen shake off injuries that kill people. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, with that being said, first team in NFL history to have 2,000-yard running backs and 10 touchdowns apiece. Give me those two guys, Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, against the 49ers run D. So who's your official pick? I'll I'll say it right now. Oh, I'm taking Detroit. All right. Then I'll take the Niners just to make it interesting. Uh, But I was willing to take the Lions if you didn't want to, like, jinx it or something. Oh, no. At this point, I there's no way. How could I pick against them? Amen. That's it. Fandom, You just root for the fun. Why not? Yeah, for the Super Bowl, <laughs> let's go, boys. One pride, and I mean, I'm I'm rooting for the Lions too. Let, let's go. 
there's a lot of split opinions on this among NFC North fans right now of, do we say, okay, little brother's all grown up, we're happy for him? Because we are. We admittedly are little brother, very yeah. much so. Yeah. Do you root for little brother and you say, oh man, I'm so happy that you're finally getting yours, you know, like you're grown up? Or is it, all right, yeah, yeah, you you beat us up now, so now I hate you and I'm going to fight you back. Nah, it's it's brothers. For For me, it's brothers. You're fighting somebody else? Go get them, little bro. And when I have an opportunity, and when I get an opportunity to put you back in your place next year, I'm gonna take it. With all the brotherly NFC North talk out of the way, this is a legitimate question that I want to hear your opinion on. Are the Vikings the worst team in the NFC North right now? Pending who's quarterback, maybe. With Kirk Cousins, are they still number four? No, because I think the Chicago Bears are a organizational dumpster fire. Those last six, seven weeks, though. Sometimes fires dwindle a little bit. They're a dumpster fire. Are the, <laughs> are the Vikings number three regardless? Yeah. Yeah, I I do think it's not close for number one and two. I think the Packers and Lions are going to be in the mix for the foreseeable future unless there's some Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen-like quarterback in either of the Bears or Vikings' future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the NFC North might be the best division in football. We said it before. It's a lot of fun, and it isn't fun at all. Yeah. Or this year's just fun for me, pretty much. But, you know. Enjoy it. I've had a lot of bad years. <laughs> you've, you've paid your dues. I've paid my dues. And I think that is pretty much all we got. Office hours officially closed on the AD's office here, heading into the championship weekend and Devin's Detroit Lions with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. Yeah, um, thoughts and prayers, please, for both my insanity and the health of all Detroit Lions players for the next three weeks. Make sure you follow along. We'll give you our live reactions to the games over the weekend on Twitter, at the AD's office. We'll post our predictions on Instagram as well, at the AD's office. And as always, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Share it with your friends. Share it with your mom. Whatever. See ya. Thanks for joining us in the AD's office. Tune in next week as we take you through our takes on the NFL.